I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Hey, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to The Remedy with Tobacito, and thank you so much for listening. Want to especially thank our sponsor of today's show, Mike and Natalie McGuire. They have already sponsored several shows and um, made another contribution. And just have to say thank you to Mike and Natalie McGuire for being great encouragers, supporters, and being so generous and giving um, multiple times to The Remedy. Um, so appreciate it. And so grateful that, um, so grateful for all of our listeners. We're, uh, Kevin sent me um, our reports this week, and we have thousands. Very exciting. Thousands of people listening to us. Because a lot of the time, I have a tendency just to look at iTunes numbers, Mm -hmm. but I forget that our content is spread over several different platforms. So I went and pooled all of that together, and yeah, pretty exciting stuff. It's exciting. You know, I, I, I don't even monitor the stuff. This is Kevin's job. And so whenever he texts me and tells me, I'm like... Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> I get very excited. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I can't. Be- really, people think that we have that that much good things to say. I yes. guess, Kev, Kev. So, um, thanks so much to all of you who support the remedy. Um, hey, if you are interested in sponsoring a show, we would so appreciate it. We make it super easy. All you have to do is go to tovacito.com, click on the remedy, click on make a contribution, and any amount helps. So, um, if you are enjoying the show and want it to keep on keeping on, then um, any amount helps. We're so appreciative um, to all of you who listen and share it and support it. So couldn't do it without you. Appreciate it. Okay, so today we're talking about something that um, several people have reached out to me and asked me to do. Um, in fact, this show and the next show are, um, are birthed in people writing me and saying, hey, I really could use some help and advice with this. And so this week we are talking about worry. Um, Not that I'm an expert on worry because I'm not, but, um, but Kevin and I have hit on this topic several times um, in several different other conversations, but we've never just talked about worry. I'm an expert worrier. Yes, (laughs) I know. And that's why, that's why I think this is so fascinating that, um, we're going to do this today because I am not a worrier, as you know, and you find completely yes, annoying. which is amazing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand it. And you are, and which I don't understand either. <laughs> so, um, so I think your perspective is going to be, is going to be it's unique on this. One. Yeah. 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 So we're coming at it from two, two different angles. So to prepare for this, this week, um, I actually did a little bit of research on the different kinds of warriors. So I didn't know because I'm not a warrior. And, you know, I don't know. I, I worried when I was a kid. Like, I worried when I was young. I, I so like, this is something you grew out of, in a yeah, sense. I think or so. grew into, yeah. rather. Yeah. So I worried about, you know what I worried? The, I worried about two things when I was a kid. I worried about thunderstorms. 
I thought every single <laughs> well, thunderstorm was going to bring a tornado and we yeah. were all going to die. And then my I'm, wife's doing that right now. Really? Does she <laughs> worry about storms? Big time. Really? She just texted me saying how dark it is on our balcony and she's worried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we'll she hur- didn't grow out of it. We'll hurry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I used to worry about thunderstorms. Now I love them. And I wor- really used to be afraid of flying. I like had major stress and anxiety about flying. I still have that. And yeah, you do? Oh, big time. I hate flying. I love flying. I mean, I love it. The longer the flight, the better now. Oh, man. I could, I, I could not be more opposite, <laughs> especially flying over the ocean. Hate it. Hate it. Oh, that's probably, I think that's probably the safest. If you're going to go down, like you have a chance. If there's land, there's no chance. I feel like that's totally the opposite. Really? I feel like you can't safely land on water from flying that high, but you have a chance if you land in a field or something. I don't know. No matter what, if your plane crashes, you're probably screwed. But <laughs> it's a totally irrational fear. <laughs> well, I mean... It is, but it isn't. So so anyway, I did a little bit of research, and maybe you'll find this interesting, Kev. So I found out there's different kinds of warriors, like diagnosable or non-diagnosable type of warriors. Okay. There's just warriors. Like there's people who don't have any diagnosis. They don't have a problem, but they just, they're warriors. I bet you fall into that category. Probably. That you're just a warrior, that you have irrational fears, mm-hmm. and you tend to over- analyze and worry about some of those. Big time. Worry about everything. You really worry I'm about I'm a major everything? hypochondriac, too. You are? Yeah. Kev, you're so laid back Which, for all, <laughs> these, all these problems. Well, that's have. why I like to drink beer. It's the one thing that like <laughs> relieves my worry. But it's funny, if you're a hypochondriac and you're worried about things, you know, your health and whatnot, the only thing that makes me feel better is something that's probably bad for my health, you know? So it, it's, a, it's a weird cycle. Uh, so you're just a warrior. There's lots of those out there. And then there's like people who are diagnosed with like chronic worry, which equals anxiety. Like if you're a chronic worrier and you get that <gasps> feeling, you know, like it gets overwhelming, then that's anxiety. Um, there's genetics. Like if your mom was a warrior, your dad was a warrior, your grandmother was a warrior, like it can seriously be in your genes, I, which I did not know. I, I didn't know that. That makes total sense yeah. to me, though. And then there's this whole idea that, like, nature versus nurture. Okay, so maybe you don't have the worry gene, but, um, you know, the circumstances under which you were raised have created worry. So they... Um, so, like, is, even if you didn't inherit it, if you're, you know, just if by proxy of being around a worrier, you'd... No, it's, it's, the, it's the stability or... Better yet, the instability of the environment in which you were raised. Okay. That gotcha. creates, um, you know, kind of morphs you into this adult who tends to be a warrior. So I read this um, interesting stat that said 93% of all kids whose parents got divorced ended up being huge adult warriors. And so much of it was because the kids experienced. Um, to varying degrees, I'm sure, but an instability, instability with their parents getting divorced. And that instability created created worry um, in these kids, which translated to them worrying as adults, being more prone to worry. So like, um, and or if you had a parent who was inconsistent, so whether it was because they didn't show up or they drank or um, they were unpredictable and they're behavior like if the, if your home life 
was inordinately unstable, unstable, um, not unstable, <laughs> unstable. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, Then you are more, you're going to be more prone to worry as an adult. Now, all to say, those things can um, change, you know, if you work on them and therapy and all that stuff. It's like treatable. You're not stuck. Right. You know, being a worrier. But. Anyway, I thought all of those things were very, very interesting. I also read, and this was fascinating to me, that one in 10 adults, one in 10 adults walking around this world are chronic warriors. And when I read that, I was like, oh, like chronic, like you're not chronic, Kevin, you're just a warrior. So, but there are like one in every 10 human being walking this planet have like severe worry issues which kind of um, should hopefully like create some compassion in all of us for like the underlying stress and um, like issues, you know, when you, when the guy cuts you off and freaks out or somebody's not so pleasant in the grocery store, like we, the truth is we really don't know what they're going through. And very true. Um, and so anyway, that stat gave me a little bit more compassionate for people who might be going through things that I can't see. So I came up with a list and and like I said, I'm 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 not in any way shape or form a, an expert on worry, but I do think that some of these things have helped me um helped me move out of any sort of worry. I mean, I just don't worry. And, and you know what? Like I probably should worry. Like, <laughs> you know, like I think there's, I a, don't know. I mean, I think that that can guide you towards poorer decision-making, you know, if you make decisions like that out of instinct. Out of fear and fe- yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I really don't have any of it, but, but I, you know, and you know, Kevin, we, we've talked about this before too. I really, I mean, when, when my kids were sick, so, you know, I had two kids who were sick and, um, I, I honestly can't remember if I worried. With a very rare condition. Right. With a very rare condition. And I, I, I really don't remember if before them I was a worrier, but I know that after them I wasn't like when they were here, I worried. Yeah. I worried, uh, especially like when they were diagnosed and of course, like, I worried, are they in pain? I worried, how long is this going to last? I worried when they were going to die. I worried, what does it look like? So the, my worries became like huge. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm, am I going to, you know, are we financially going right. to kill it this month or not kill it this month? Like, you know, the things that other people were worrying about, like. You don't have time for that. All those <laughs> things took a total backseat. Yeah. And I think that because that happened for years for me. I mean, you know, in, in 2000, I had a stillborn 2003. I had Charlie lost Charlie in 2004. I had Louisa 2005. I lose Louisa. Like there was five years of great disappointment, tragedy. I lost my mom in that and, uh, you know, helped her die and took care of her while she died. And so it was like, all the other things that my friends were worrying about, like their bodies and their finances and their next trip. Like I didn't, I didn't have time to worry about that, you know? And so, and so I kind of took this hiatus off of like the bullshit 
<laughs> Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the things that we make up to worry about. And then I think when Louisa died and all that tragedy just kind of ended, I like worrying about, um, worrying about, you know, the bills or, uh, or, but after going through all that, how do you not worry constantly about your kids now? Because I know that even if they died, it's still going to be okay. I I think that's why. And that's and, and I, I can't fathom that. But then again, I haven't been through any you know the same kind of things yeah. you have. So I think that before my children died, I think that I worried like, how do you go on? Like how do you? And now I've learned that that actually can happen. Right. Like you can get to the other side of of that what seems like insurmountable grief and heartache. And you can, and so in my mind, if if you can get through that, like, you know, there's really, there's really <laughs> nothing else to, <laughs> nothing else to worry about. But you know, so I mean, it's not that I don't care about my finances or you know my body or all the things that right. everybody things else or important. travel <laughs> or you know, like yeah. where do I want to go next or whatever. It's just it doesn't take up any of my head. Space. It doesn't consume you. No, not at all. So anyway. Um, I, uh, I, but I do believe that I practice some of these things that have, that really help me stay in the space that I am. And so I hope that they will, for those of you who are listening, who worry, um, and, and whether, you know, you worry at a two or you worry at a 10, um, I hope that one of these little nuggets, um, can help you kind of breathe and, and maybe take a step back, um, yeah, but you're not the only one, Kevin, who's fascinated by this idea that I don't worry. Um, yes, I mean it's it's a gift in a lot of ways, and it's like any way that you can share that with us would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll try. Okay, so the first thing that I came up with, um, and this is the list according to Toba, the the do not worry list according to Toba, um, is to be fully present. You know. Um, I think that like worrying is all about getting ahead of yourself. You know, like if you're worrying about something, it's because you're getting ahead of this moment right now. Mm -hmm. Like in this moment, okay, like let's just say one of the things that you're worried about is uh, finances. Let's just make that up. Um, And like it's plaguing you, right? I'm always worried about finances. (laughs) uh, Yeah, okay, so let's just say that you're worried about finances. And, uh, And that's a real worry, right? Like, you know, you want to be financially secure. You want to have a certain amount of money. You believe in your mind that if you had X in the bank, then, then that worry would go away. But what I would challenge you is that you could get X in the bank and then X would become Y. Like then the needle would move and you would begin to worry, okay, now I need this amount of money in the bank to be okay. Like, I feel like when you set that up, your needle's always moving. It's never going to even out. There is no there. Mm -hmm. There is no there. So, so you, let's say you today, you're worried about finances. Okay. We're in the studio together. There's not a damn thing you can do about your finances in this moment. Yeah. Like there's nothing like nobody can write you a check. Nobody, 
and you can't write is anybody a check. Is that technically true, though? Because I am working right now. So when you think about it, it is directly related. It is related, <laughs> but in this moment... It's, it's, nothing's going to change that. You're just yeah. with me recording, you know? Like, nothing is... If you're sitting there worried about your finances, then that worry is taking away from this moment... Absolutely. ...that we had the opportunity to create and share together. No, I have to remove myself from that during this time, this yes. moment, for sure. Yes. but Which I, I do have that ability. Oh, well, then that's a good... That's, I think that's... Like right now, I am totally devoted to your show and not thinking about finances at all. <laughs> yes, but I think that that's probably something that you could consistently and everybody could consistently do. Okay, so then you go home and you start worrying about finances. Okay, I don't... I could worry about finances or I could be with my bride. You know, I could sit and hold her hand and watch a movie and just be totally present with her. Like... Worry doesn't change. Worry doesn't change the outcome of the present moment. And so I would say be in the present moment and do whatever you can to like soak in exactly and all of what's happening here instead of letting the worry creep in and take over because I think that worry ruins the present. I think you're definitely right. And so... And a lot of my worry is just about... It directly relates to, I worry all the time about letting people down. So like, I, I don't want to let you down, you know, being here. I want to make sure I'm in the moment and not, you know, to make sure that you have a good show. Or I don't want to let my wife down with, you know, worried about finance stuff. It's like, I don't really care about it from in a personal way at all. It's totally just fear of others and how I'm, you know, perceived and what I'm delivering in a sense. And you know what? Nobody is ever waiting for you. To let them down. Like, I've never once walked in the studio and thought, I wonder how, you know, I worry if he's going to let me down today. Like, <laughs> that's a really good way to look at it. Though. You know, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody else, you're putting that on yourself. Nobody else is putting that on you. Like, I've never once thought, wonder how, wonder how Kevin's going to let me down today. You know, I'm always. And that makes me feel a lot better. It really does. Yeah. I'm always ready for you to surprise me with how good you are. Well, thank you. Well, it's true. But I think that's how most of the world operates. I don't think, I don't think we're waiting for somebody to disappoint us. You know, I don't. But I, I do. I don't think you're alone in th- this fear of am I enough? Yeah. Wherever I am, so I don't. I don't think that that's weird. A really good exercise, and I believe this um, wholeheartedly, is when you start feeling overwhelmed in any way, shape, or form, is to take three deep breaths. Like if you start feeling yourself get carried away or um, overwhelmed, just I tell my kids this, just three deep breaths, like three deep breaths changes everything. It really is amazing. The power of the breath. Um, I mean, that's proven. That's like scientifically proven to calm, calm you and like not just breathing, but paying attention, being fully present in the inhale and the exhale. Like, and making them match, like, inhale as long as you exhale. You don't wear an Apple Watch, do you? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because mine, like, it knows when, like, your pressure, blood pressure, like, beats per minute or up or whatever, and it's constantly telling me to breathe. It's, because, like, really annoying, so I went and, like, disabled it. Uh, is it because your heart starts beating fast? I think so. Like, it, it knows when you're stressed. And so it has, like, this little breathing exercise where you, like, watch it, and, like, you breathe in and out as it tells you to. And I'm like, that sounds like it was invented by you. <laughs> 
Well, it was invented by people smarter than both of us who know the power of the breath. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a real thing. So breathing. Um, okay. So one years ago I read this and I thought it was so fascinating. And I remember, so when I worked at the church, okay, so I'll tell you number three, it, number three is play out the worry, like problem solve the worry. And so let me try to explain. So I read something about this in like a psychology book years ago. And it talked about how if you're worried about something, and this really helped me, this has helped me with counseling and, um, and counseling people. Uh, if you're really worried about something, like play out how bad it could be, like whatever the worry is. Okay, you're worried you're going to get sick. Okay, play that out. Like what happens if Kevin gets cancer? Okay, you go to the doctor and you get treated and and hopefully, you know, what? like you play it to the end. Yes, Janice has actually talked about this before. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And well. it's... Uh, and that's very beneficial. She was talking, you know, when she's like, when I worry about work and I think, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Even if I lost my job, even if I had to move somewhere else or had to do this and that and just kind of play out worst case scenario. And it's never as bad as you think. It's never as bad as you think. So I was counseling this guy um, when I worked at Highland Park Methodist and he came to talk to me because he ha- he was a very successful, very rich, very well-known, powerful man in our community. And... Um, and he had made a lot of money, but he had done it illegally. And the government um, had figured it out. Right. And so there was a huge investigation on him and a bunch of his partners who had been doing all of this illegal financial stuff. And I really don't even remember the context of it or who he worked for. And if I could, I wouldn't say it anyway. But um, all to say he was, I mean, the terror in his face, in his eyes, that you could see that he was about to get caught. Yeah. And he, he was a fraud, and his family was about to find out, and his friends were about to find out, and he was about to go to jail. So you played that one out, and it could be as bad as you think, <laughs> or worse. Yes, and, and he was like, I mean, he's just a wreck in my office, and he's like, I don't know what to do. You know, I am, I am a fraud. I'm a phony. I'm... I'm so wealthy and I'm about to be broke and, and I'm, you know, there's a huge chance I'm going to prison and I'm so scared to go to prison. And I, I mean, this was big stuff and really heavy. Yeah. And, but right before I met with him, I had read, okay, play this out. And I was like, okay, let's play this out. Let's say you're convicted like let's say you are you get caught you're convicted you go to jail then what and he was like well i lose everything and i was like okay you lose everything yeah which is a terrible jumping off point it, yeah <laughs> and and you go to prison you know but like his, his wife loved him so much she was so devoted and you know she could take care of the kids they could come visit him he would eventually get out. You yeah. know, he would do five to ten years, max, and they could come visit him. You know, yes, they would lose everything, but they had a great community and family and support who would love them and help them. Like we played it all out, and I swear, by the time he left, everything about his demeanor had changed because he was like, "Okay, this is 
this could just be the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but I see that I can get to the other but side. But it's not the last thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. Ooh, Kev, that's so good. Yes. Well, that's why you used the cancer analogy, though, and I'm like, well, what if you play that out? And it's like the first place anyone's mind is going to go to to play that out is like, death. I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think death is the worst thing. But And that's another thing about you. Like, you don't worry about dying. And that's what everyone <laughs> worries about. <laughs> Shit! It's like the most common fear on earth. That tries all worry and fear. <laughs> oh, I can't help you there. Ultimately, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> well, everybody's just got to get over dying. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You're, you're going to take a half a breath and you're going to see Jesus and <laughs> yeah. it's all going to work out. <laughs> and I do believe that. It's just it's still scary. Yeah, no, I get that. I really do get that and I that makes sense to me you know it's not stupid that people have a fear about the unknown right that's exactly a true unknown. unknown yeah it is a true unknown um so that makes sense to me but I think playing playing out the worry I think there's power in that because we're stronger we're we are stronger and more resilient than we ever give ourselves credit for whatever the fear is there's a 99.99999 chance that we have the strength within us. I just, I think a hundred percent to get to the other side. I think God gives us whatever we need to get to the other side. Yeah, we do get into some heavy shit on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what happened in this particular situation? I don't know. Oh man. I don't know I'm what happened. I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. I, and it was years ago, but I don't, I don't remember. Um, I think a big part of worrying, and this is number four, is control. And so I think that a big part of letting worry go is understanding that control is a facade, that we're not in control. Like if you think that you can control an outcome, you're crazy, yeah. you know, and and you're kind of just beating your head against a wall. Like it's, it. we are not, we're not in control. I mean, the only but thing- But maybe that, you even know that you just want to feel like you are. Yeah, yeah. You want the facade. You want- the facade but the facade is still a facade (laughs) (laughs) sorry still fake (laughs) so um just and and, you know janice taught me that janice taught me that she taught me that uh mostly with my kids because if you know when i first adopted them i really worried about them i worried about um you know just they were so different from everybody and and adjusting and they'd been abused Mm -hmm. like okay they're stable and happy now but at 14 are they gonna hate me for trauma yes trauma are they gonna hate me for taking them out of their country for ripping them from their um you know from their culture from uh home basically yeah and and are they going to um are they gonna all of a sudden remember all these awful things that happened to them and you know and then take it out on me you know there's just a lot of or end up letting that shape their who they become, you yeah. know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And that was completely out of my control. Yeah. And I remember calling my dad um, when I found out just how badly my children had been abused because I didn't know before I had ad- adopted them. And maybe I've shared this story before, but you I, have. have I? Mm-hmm. And, but I called him and I told him like, dad, like it's so bad. Like they were so abused and I, I like, I am so ill equipped to take care of children who have been this severely abused and the thing that he told me and I, I mean, it's the only thing I've ever done probably really, really well with my kids. He said, T, just love them. Like just the only thing that you have to do is love them. Like love, love cures a lot of pain and it's just, 
That's just really true. So, and I think one of the most powerful parts of that story is when they finally, when you heard about it, if I'm remembering correctly, and there was almost a worry on their part that they're like, "Do you still are you still going to want it? Like, still want to oh, be our?" They mom, thought you they know? were like, trash. Yeah, they thought they were going back, and I was like, I mean, it just made me cry. Yeah, like, I would never take them back. Um, so just letting go of control, you know, we're just not in control. The fifth thing that I wrote is to focus on gratitude. I think that when we start to worry and start to go down these rabbit trails of things that are completely out of our control, that one of the more productive things that we can do is start thinking about the things that we have, you know, like we worry a lot about the things that we don't have, or we think we should have when we already have been blessed I mean, the things that you worry about, they're legitimate, I'm sure, you know, but that at the same time, like you have a great job, you have a beautiful bride, like you have a great family, you know, and you have your That's health true. and maybe it's not all perfect or it's not where it should be, but just those very basic things, you have great friends. But I have a nice life. I shouldn't be... Yes. Such a worrier or, a, you know. I, well, that, uh, you know, don't beat yourself up too bad. But, I mean, that's one of the things that I wrote it wrote is is cut yourself some slack, you know, that you can't be perfect every day. Like, you know, we, we um, you know, we take this stuff on and, and we, our head spins and, and we get, you know, over our skis and, and worrying and fearing and, and then we beat ourselves up for being warriors. And, you know, Definitely. And, you know, I tell my kids all the time, like, you can't, you can't be perfect every day. So just cutting yourself some slack. I think, I think exercise helps a ton. Um, I wrote that as number six. I think, you know, it, it certainly, I know, gets me focused and happy. And I love, personally, I love yoga because it just forces me, it challenges not only my body, but my mind. Like it, you have to breathe, you have to like, I, and I try really hard when I do yoga, like I don't look around, I don't do the comparison thing, which is really hard to do in a room full of, you know, 50 beautiful people. Definitely. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a real physical and mental challenge for me and I love it. Um, okay, one thing that I read that I thought was really good is uh, don't say what if. Like, don't play the what if game um, because what ifs aren't real. Like, and we all do that. Like, what, but what totally. if? But what if? And um, what ifs are, are they just are not real. And 90% of all the things that we worry about never, ever, ever even happen. Like they just, all those what ifs, 90% of all those what ifs never even happen. That's a great point. So um, don't, don't even say it. Like don't even let what if be a part of your vocabulary. Um, I read this quote and it said, if you're focused on your worry, you're not focused on the present. Um, so you're, you're not present in your life, which means you aren't fully living. And I was like, oof. Like that is really, really, really good. And so, I mean, think about that. 90% of the things that are swimming around in our head are taking away from the present that, like the moment that exists right now, which means we're just living a, a certain percent of the life that God created us for. And, and so we need to just embrace like 
the abundance that exists in this moment and stop worrying so much about the 90% that's probably never even going to happen. Right. Um, one thing that, another thing that I read, this is number eight, is you're, you are not your thoughts. Like that is just such a simple thing, but like we are not our thoughts. And I think that so many of us get overwhelmed, like that we are our thoughts, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it kind of goes back to like you, Kev, sit, saying, you know, like, I, I worry, like, I want everything to be perfect. I mean, even setting up today, like, you, you are I, going I, I over know. and over and over and over again. And yeah, I mean, it's so awesome because it makes you the perfectionist that you are and it makes you so good at your job. But, but I think you taking it a step further and not wanting to disappoint or not wanting to let me down yes. is where it like it it pushes you over the edge into this headspace that like that somehow you're not going to be good enough totally and that's that's not true because you're always so prepared you do such a good show and I'm like I don't want you know if something happened with your show because of something I did I would just I would totally beat myself up over that you know. <laughs> Well, and even then, that's probably going to happen one day. But <laughs> who cares? <laughs> we'll just see. It record would again. Me a lot more than it would bother oh, you. <laughs> it would not bother me at all. I mean, it would not bother me at all. Um, okay, one thing that I read that I thought was pretty powerful, and I, I, I never thought about this before. And this is number nine: is don't avoid worry, like because whether you deal with it or not. Like it's always, it's going to stay there. Like, and so, and so taking it down the rabbit trail and like saying all the, the things like, okay, if this happened, then how would I handle it? What would, what you have the worst case scenario happened? I think there's power in gaining control over the worry. And I think that that is what it means by don't avoid the worry, like take control of the worry, like instead of the worry controlling you. So do you kind of get to bypass that one since you don't really worry? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for everyone Pass. else. <laughs> um, I think this one's pretty powerful. Talk talk about your worries with somebody that you trust. Do you talk about your worries? Or do you keep them to yourself? Oh, uh, I, no, I, I, I bottle up bad. You know, I think that uh, community is powerful. And there's a lot of times that I don't want to tell people things because... I want to be stronger than how I'm feeling. Um, but I know when I do share like something that I'm feeling or thinking um, with somebody that I love and then they encourage me or inspire me or say something that makes me feel stronger than I'm feeling in that moment, it really does help. So I do believe in the power of community, of, of talking about things that we're worried about or we fear with somebody that we trust, even if you have to pay that person, like, yeah. and it's your therapist, you know, I do think there's power in getting it out. I think sometimes it's also you do what you want to carry the worry for someone else, like how I bottle things up. And then one night I have too many beers. And I just unload and my mm -hmm. wife would be like, why have you been carrying all this around? I'm like, yeah. cause I don't want you to have to worry about me. Aww. So I just not going to, you know, and, but, but that, and talking to, about it would probably be healthier, but I'm like, I, just yes. wanna, I don't want her to think that I have, you know, I don't want her to have to worry about me. But to the point, like, don't avoid worry, like, whether you deal with it or not, or whether you say something or not, it's still, it's there. still there. So yeah. then the night you have six beers, it's going to come up because just because you stuff it doesn't, it's not, it's not, nothing's happening. It's not going away. No, yeah. no, it's probably even just getting worse. And probably. 
It's why you're so skinny. <laughs> Stress and worry. <laughs> it's all eating you up. Yeah, it's going to start to age me. I don't believe that. You look 18 as it is. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but thank you. Um, okay, I was talking about number 12 with somebody this week, and um, number 12 is uh, cultivate contentment. And uh, I think I, we a friend of mine and I, we were talking about that word content and how it might be one of the most underrated words in all of the English vocabulary because, you know, if, if, if you asked me, Hey T, how are you doing today? And I was like, I'm content. You would like, <laughs> like all right. It's kind of weird, but <laughs> good for you, I guess. <laughs> but think about that word and like the power in like being content. Like that is a powerful word. Like if you're, are you mostly content on a daily basis? Oh yeah, like because because contentment means in this moment I don't need anything, I don't want anything, I'm not mm-hmm. fearful of it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just content. Like I don't I don't need any more, and I don't uh, or le- or less. Like it, it wherever I am, it's right where I'm supposed to be, and uh, I think contentment is is a very powerful space. That's more the way you should be work towards than thinking mm-hmm. I have to be happy all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, or because that's unrealistic in a sense, right? But being content, contentment is a realistic goal. It, contentment is a realistic goal, and contentment. I, but I think it's harder than being happy because I think you can fake yeah. a lot of that stuff. But if you're like truly just content in this moment, like that, I think that's I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, two more. 13, I wrote fake it till you make it. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, I believe that what we give our energy to is what is going to find its way back. Like you're so right on this us. one. And people will take that the wrong way and think like you're saying, you know, it doesn't mean like be a phony. No. It's just... No. You are, you know, the way you... What you make yourself to be, kind of. Yes, like, and, and you, you know, um, I was, I was uh, talking with a, a friend of mine last night. And we were talking about his ex-wife, who's just not a n- very nice person. And I asked him a question, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't even want to give it energy." And I loved that. Um, and he was like, "You know, I, could, I totally get that. I could talk about it, but I don't even want to give it energy." And I loved that answer because I do believe, like we give a lot of things energy, Definitely. right? A lot of things that, that don't deserve our energy, our, our passion, our hate, our anger. Like if we put that out there, then, then in some way, shape or form, I believe like it all comes back, you know, because what we put out, you know, what we put out, we attract, a thousand percent. I just so believe that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I do think we should share our worries with people. I do think that we should, uh, I don't think we should avoid our worry. I think that we should, I, I think that we should embrace a lot of these things, but I also think that, that, um, you know, our lives are within our control. Like we hold, you know, we're key holders of our, of our life and our, and our mindset. And, um, and so I think just cultivating what we want out of this life 
And, and that takes a lot of intention. You know, it takes waking up every single day and thinking, like visualizing and thinking, okay, what do I want today to be? What, who do I want to be today? And um, knowing that because we're not perfect, that it's not going to be perfect, but, but putting out the, putting out our best so that hopefully that's what comes, finds its way back to us as well. Um, the last thing, and I probably think it's the most important thing, but I also think that it's, um, a very difficult thing is trusting God in, with our worry. You know, um, I, I once read years ago that, um, that if you don't trust, um, uh, or if you worry, then that's a faith issue. And I, I, even for somebody who doesn't worry, I was kind of offended by that. You know, like, okay, so what you're doing is you're telling all the people in this room that if you worry, then it, that's a faith issue. That, like, that's a, that's a, it's because you don't have the kind of faith that, right. um, because if you had, if you're, but I could see some truth to that if, also. If your faith was up to snuff, then you wouldn't worry. And I, you know, I, I, I do believe that a big part of my ability to not worry is because every single morning I wake up and I give my life, I give that day to God. You know, I, I say, you know, open the doors, show me where you want to go, tell me what you want me to do. Like I will be obedient. I think that directly relates to fear of death and not just your own other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But trusting that if you ask God to, to walk with you, uh, you know, on an, on a consistent basis that wherever you go and wherever he takes you is exactly where you're supposed to be. So even if that moment is horrible or hard or challenging or not what you expected, that there's some beautiful lesson some beautiful thing to learn out of this moment. Um, and so, but I also believe there's the other side of like, okay, but if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of instability or you've been diagnosed with chronic anxiety or, or depression or worry that like, you know, you can't just like say a prayer and drink some chamomile and everything's going to be okay. Right. You know? And, and I, I think that that's where it can get tricky because I think, if, you know, there's a lot of times that I've been upset about something and I went to God and that nothing changed, yeah. <laughs> you know, the outcome didn't change. Right. And so, so to, to just give this blanket statement that, um, that uh, worry is a faith issue, I think is dangerous, you know, because then it makes people feel like shit. Yeah, definitely. Because they said a prayer and their worry still exists, you know? Okay, well, what's wrong with me now that God didn't heal my worry? Um, because I think that you can want your worry to go away. I think you can pray for your worry to go away. I think you can do all of these things and still have worry, you know? Yeah. I think at the end of the day... Um, but I think it's also just this mindset and this self-talk that, okay, I still feel the gut punch of the fear and I still feel the gut punch of the worry, but I trust that God is still with me. You know, I trust that God is still in this, even though for whatever reason I'm still in it, I still feel it. Sure. Um, and that eventually, uh, you know, having the faith that you will get to the other side of it. But I, I, I do think that the whole faith and 
and worry thing is tricky, right? Because God is not Santa Claus. And just because we want things to go away and we're faithful, good people, doesn't mean they're going to go away. Um, you know, I've, I have people come talk to me all the time who just continue to suffer, you know, continue to, to struggle. And, you know, they've been praying the same prayer for years and nothing changes. And, um, and you know, if, if maybe that in itself is an answer that you're getting, Mm. you're just looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, yes, I a hundred percent agree with that. It may not be that maybe it's just not the answer that you wanted that you wanted. But I, I, I think that God is so, I mean, in Matthew 6, when Jesus, and I've talked about this verse before, when Jesus is on the Sermon of the Mount, and he's teaching us about all the, the like, things about our faith that we need to know, um, he talks about worry, and, and it's powerful. I mean, what he says about worry is powerful, and what... And when my son was here and he was sick, I remember sitting on my back porch and reading about worry. I mean, I used to read that verse, those verses to him day after day after day. And the thing that stuck out to me the most about the verses on worry from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew was when Jesus said, um, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough worry of its own. And, you know, that... Those, that verse alone allowed me to look at Charlie and say, okay, here's what I know. I know he's going to die. I know he's sick. I know this is not going to end the way that I want it to. I am afraid of how it's going to end, but he's here right now and he's not sick. You know, he's not dying. Like he's sitting on my lap right now, smiling. Yep. And so if I sit here with him and I cry about tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day, then what I'm missing. You're losing something that you had right then. Yes. And that is what those verses gave me is the ability to say, okay, all of that is like that's reality. He's going to die. It's probably going to suck. It's probably going to be very painful. It's probably going to be really, really bad. It's probably going to be worse than you can even imagine. But if it's you, out of your control, it's out of my control. And if you, if you sit here and play that tape or those tapes, what you're missing is the, the fact that he's smiling at you today. And those verses gave me, like that verse, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough worry. And he doesn't own. have that fear or that worry, which is a blessing in itself. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so I I do believe that is what it means to trust God, is knowing that the outcome might not be what you want. You know, you might not get get what you're praying for, but God can still give you the strength and and you have the power to, to be content and present in the blessing of right here, this moment. You know, a few months ago, I had a woman come talk to me. Um, her and her husband were going through some serious financial things. And, um, and I just felt like, and I might have shared this, I, I told her, I said, I don't know why, I just feel 
compelled to tell you this, but like when you get overwhelmed, look at your shoes. Just look at your shoes. And she was like, what, what do you mean by that? And I said, just look down and you'll see where you are. Like your shoes will show you where you are. And all you have to do is be right there in this moment. And you know, chances are whatever that moment is, it's actually okay. Whether it's because you're with your kids or you're making dinner for your family. Like the day-to-day -day stuff is actually a blessing, you know? It's just all the big stuff that takes away from all the little things. And so I don't know what made me say that, but I just said, look at your shoes. And every once in a while, she'll just text me, I'm looking at my shoes. And, you know, I know that that means that she's trying really hard to be right where she is, knowing that there's a fear of something bigger that's could or might happen, but it's not happening. And, you know, she, now she's in carpool and she has the opportunity to love on her kids and because why they're there, you know? And so just allowing um, yourself to be fully present and, and really, really, really um, not let your mind take control of, of your reality. Because reality is, is all we have is right now. Like right now. That's it. It's all we got. How many listeners do you think looked at their shoes? Just now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully lots. <laughs> it means it's working. We need to put that in a t-shirt or something. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I hope this blesses y'all. I hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for listening to The Remedy. And just, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Oops, sorry, I messed up your music there. Oh, it's there. fine. See, there it is. It's because we talked about it earlier. <laughs> I've, I've, how many episodes have we done? I've never done that. That's never happened before. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Y'all have a great week. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worry of its own. 